Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 18th, 2016. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Boston, Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by SeatGeek. SeatGeek has made it easier than ever before to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. What's great about SeatGeek is the price you see is the price you get. Most sites will try to surprise you at checkout with these outrageous fees, but not SeatGeek. So make sure you download the free SeatGeek app right now and get a $20 rebate on tickets by using the promo code PICARD. That's right, as in my last name, PICARD. Now, I've been gone for about a week. I had vacation last week. Uh, Last week was the All-Star break, though. We are back from the All-Star break in Major League Baseball. And it's, first of all, it's great to be back on this show, okay? It's great to be back here inside the Beantown Athletic Studios talking about SeatGeek, where you can get tickets and breaking down and reacting to everything that happens in the world of sports. I'm going to get to some Red Sox today. The Red Sox have today, tonight off. They get back to work tomorrow. And if you're looking to go to a game and you're looking to go to this series against the San Francisco Giants because... I think it's always a little bit more interesting to see a National League team come to Fenway. Well, if you're looking to go to a game, the best place to go to get your tickets is the SeatGeek app. And when I tell you you can get $20 off by using my last name in the promo code section, that should be a no-brainer. Also, what's great about the SeatGeek app is you can set an alert for any game, any series, and really any sport in any city, in any event, especially when we're talking concerts in any city at any venue. Just set an alert, and what SeatGeek will do is they will let you know when ticket prices fall, so you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get a discount by getting the best deal possible with SeatGeek keeping you updated, and also you get $20 off when you use my promo code. So, how can it get any better than that? Well, actually, here's how. On the SeatGeek app, every ticket is given a grade, and you can use their detailed map to see the exact view from your seat. SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or a concert, and it should be the first place you go as well. SeatGeek, as I mentioned, the Red Sox have tonight off. Back to work tomorrow on Tuesday. Rick Porcello against former Red Sox, Jake Peavy. Then you get another game against the Giants on Wednesday, and then Thursday they begin a series at Fenway against Minnesota. But, um... Let me just, let me open things up by, I'm going to get away from the Red Sox for a minute. I get it. It's important. Baseball is important to me this time of year because we're getting closer to the trade deadline. And once you get to the trade deadline, all of us, you know, you see all of a sudden what type of move or moves your team's going to make. And, and really what they should be able to do between now and the end of September when it comes to playoff races, whether it's division or wild card. This is the time of year you start paying attention to that a little bit more. Stop paying attention. Now, I pay attention to the standings every single fucking day. You know that if you listen to me. But for the maybe the average fan that doesn't take April, May, or even somewhat of June too seriously in baseball, this is the time where you start to take it serious, especially when your team is in a playoff race. And the Red Sox are certainly in a playoff race right now. They're in second place in the division, two games behind Baltimore. The Blue Jays are in third place. They're three games behind Baltimore. So you kind of have a three-team race for the division. And 
if you do look at the wild card, if the playoffs began today, the Red Sox would be playing the Blue Jays in the one-game wild card playoff. And that would be a pretty wild game. It would be at Fenway, by the way, in case you were wondering. But um, I'll get back to some Red Sox because they made some trades while I was gone last week during my vacation. And also what happened during my vacation was it was typical. Like, honestly, I kind of had a feeling there was going to be Deflategate news while I was gone and off the radar completely. And for the people that were tweeting me, you know, where is Danny Picard? Where is he? You know, is he alive? This, that. You know, why isn't he saying anything? I'm not even going to apologize to you. I told you I was on vacation. And um, I was not just out of town. I was out of the country. So, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say I was out of the loop. I certainly paid attention to what was going on. But I didn't necessarily react on social media or any platform that I have. Because, again, I'm on vacation. And when I go on vacation... I go on fucking vacation, all right? I got another vacation coming up in August, just to, just to let you know, where I'm stepping away from this podcast for a little bit and also stepping away from the radio and TV stuff for a little bit as well. And, and you'll know when I have that vacation. But going back to this previous vacation that I had last week, I was paying attention to what was going on. And while the Red Sox made some moves and they're an important story right now, I believe that. And I don't usually like to talk about football this time of year. We've spent so much time on Deflategate that I think I'd be doing an injustice to the story if I didn't open the show post-vacation, if I didn't open my post-vacation coming back show with Deflategate. And yet, as I'm going to bring you this podcast and open up with Deflategate, there is even more Deflategate news, and I'm not so sure I even thought that was possible based on the news that we had last week while I was on vacation. And you know the news by now. I don't need to... I mean, if I really need to give you this news, then maybe this isn't even the right show for you because you probably don't give a fuck about Deflategate, which means that I'm not necessarily the person you listen to because we've talked about Deflategate so many times. So you know. Tom Brady accepted the four-game suspension that was handed to him because he was not granted uh, an appeal by the Second Circuit Court or whoever they are. I'm sick of even talking about that court. I'm sick of talking about any court. I'm sick of talking about the flaking. But when we got that news that Tom Brady was going to accept the four-game suspension, the first thing that pops into my mind is, well, wait a minute. Does that mean the flaking's over? It has to be, right? Like, it has to be over. There's going to be nothing. Brady's going to serve this four-game suspension, and it looks like the NFL is going to win this battle. Now, I had some people call in to me on WEEI yesterday and tell me that Brady accepting a suspension is an admission of guilt, and that is just stupid, okay? That's stupid. They fought this till the very end, and, and people say, well, Why wouldn't he take it to the Supreme Court? Well, I'm going to get to that in a second. But just going off the news last week, people tried to tell me that Brady accepting the four-game suspension was an admission of guilt. And I'm going, no, it's not. How is that an admission of guilt? Here's why I think he accepted the suspension. There's a couple reasons. Let me also say, I'm surprised that he accepted it. Right? I am. I'm surprised. But... I think what happened was when 
they are rejected for that appeal in the Second Circuit Court, or whatever, the, whatever court that is. I'm just so sick and tired of saying it. When they don't get that appeal, right, I think his team comes together, this all-star group of lawyers, they come together and say, listen, um, it's, we're just not going to win this fight. And if we're not going to win this fight, is it a fight worth fighting? Especially when you're getting ready for the season. And Tom Brady also in the back of his mind, I think, is going all Patriot way here where he's saying, I'm not going to leave this quarterback position sort of in limbo. Like, I need to know, am I going to be suspended or am I not going to be suspended? And if we think we can't win this, you know, why should I keep fighting? Or at least, and as we're finding out today, he's thinking, why should I be involved in the fight? Maybe someone can fight this for me. So as the player who is thinking about my team and also thinking about, I guess, how much effort me personally should put in to showing up to this stuff if there's no chance that we win it or very little chance that we win it. Why am I going to still be involved in this? I'll just publicly accept the four-game suspension and I'll serve it and we'll move on to 2016 and the New England Patriots knowing that I won't play the first four games that I'll be back for week five. I just, I, I think that's the mindset. If I had to take a guess at the mindset, that would be it. Today, today, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, he is reporting that Brady has authorized the NFLPA to proceed with the appeal on his behalf, taking it to the Supreme Court, or at least trying to. Um, here's, in a, here's something the NFLPA released. NFLPA, after, this is after Brady sort of accepted the four-game suspension and announced that, you know, he's not going to proceed any further with the legal process. Here's what the NFLPA said. They released a statement and read, quote, we will continue to review all of our options and we reserve our rights to petition for an appeal to the Supreme Court. End quote. And again, now, today, according to Mike Florio, Tom Brady has authorized the NFLPA to proceed with that appeal to the Supreme Court. And I guess, by the looks of it, you can't technically say that the flake gate is over, even though when I heard the news last week, it's, it looked like it was over. It looks like once Brady accepts the, the suspension, the flake gate is done. And we look at the schedule. And we try to predict what the Patriots will do with Jimmy Garoppolo on a center for the first four games. And um, you move on to week five with Brady returning. And Brady, yes, will return in week five. I don't care what happens in the first four games. Even if Garoppolo plays out of his coconut and goes 4-0, Tom Brady is playing in week five. And the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland are going to get whooped. All right, they're going to get absolutely whooped. Now, I did check the spread for week one, Patriots in Arizona. And the Patriots right now are a five-and-a-half-point dog. Five-and-a-half-point dog. I think that might go up to seven, possibly. Right now, it's five-and-a-half. So, it's early. I know. It's July 18th. And is it crazy to look at that? Maybe. But... Well, 
we have, at least we thought we were moving on from Deflategate until today where we get this news and Tom Brady has authorized the NFLPA to proceed with the Deflategate appeal to the Supreme Court. I think what Brady has done is he's sort of committing to the team and taking himself out of it while sort of staying involved and having the NFLPA fight for him. That's not a terrible idea because the NFLPA is going to fight for some type of, as Mike Florio calls it, genuine vindication for Brady. Now, I don't know if they, what happens if they, when they proceed with this appeal, if they petition to the Supreme Court. I don't even know if it ends up getting to the Supreme Court. They're going to try to. And if it gets there, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Could something go down in which Tom Brady ends up, you know, they, something happens, the suspension is taken away? I don't know. Maybe suspension cut in half? No idea. No idea. But what Brady has done is he's put himself back with the Patriots and he's given the Patriots, um, I guess, the green light to go with Garoppolo for the first four games. That's what he's done. It's an unselfish move, but at the same time, I I think it's a move in which Brady is also saying, if I'm being told I'm not going to win this fight, then why am I going to keep being involved in this process? Let me just commit to football, and when I commit to football, it's going to help this team because I'm still back in week five. It's not like I'm suspended all season. And when I'm back in week five, I'm going to just smash the entire National Football League with a goal being to be on that podium after the Super Bowl with Roger Goodell handing me that Lombardi trophy, right? Handing me the Lombardi trophy. He's taking me away from the first four games. He's going to be handing me that Lombardi trophy. I need to get focused and get back to working on that. So that's what I think the mindset is. I don't think it's any type of admission of guilt. It doesn't make any sense. If there was an admission of guilt, they wouldn't even have tried to appeal any any decision. They've been appealing, appealing, appealing. And again, today, Brady has authorized the NFLPA to proceed with the Deflategate appeal, which I guess means Deflategate's not over. <laughs> Look at that. I thought I was coming on here today telling you Deflategate was over. It's done. Apparently, it's not. So now it's even more of a waiting game. And, you know, we can still do the how would the Patriots look with Garoppolo in the first four games. And we already kind of done, we've done it already. We can do it a, a little bit. I have a tough time going into detail with some of the first four games. Like, at Arizona, week one, at home against Miami, at home against Houston, at home against Buffalo. Here's what I know. Is that Brady's playing week five in Cleveland on Sunday, October 9th at one o'clock on CBS. And... He is just going to smash the Browns like you've never seen a quarterback smash another team. That's what I know. That's what I know. And in fact, is another football-related, maybe Patriots-related topic that I just found out today, too. We watch ESPN throughout the Flakegate, and we see people just crushing the Patriots and crushing Tom Brady. ESPN has hired Randy Moss. Randy Moss is going to be part of all these shows now on Sundays and Monday nights, right? So, Randy Moss is a huge Tom Brady supporter. He played with him in New England. He loves Tom Brady. And uh, it looks like Brady's going to get some love on ESPN. Finally, from somebody. With all this deflate gate madness. 
But um, I, I thought it was over. Apparently it's not. So I guess we still have to wait and see. At least from Brady's perspective, him accepting the four-game suspension allows us to sort of accept it as well. I mean, it sucks, obviously. Don't get me wrong. It's stupid. It's, em- it's an embarrassment to the National Football League that Brady is going to serve the same amount of games as Greg Hardy, a guy who beat his girlfriend and threw on a bed full of guns, right? And the fact that Goodell fought to keep Brady's suspension as the same number of games as Greg Hardy is just pathetic. While he didn't fight to keep Greg Hardy's suspension, the 10 games that he handed down to him. Judge, jury, executioner, Goodell has been pounding his chest saying he has the right in the CBA to, to be just that, and yet he only utilized those powers for a situation that basically was only about PSIs and air pressure in a football and did not want to utilize that power for one of his players that beat his girlfriend and threw on a bed full of guns. Like, where are the priorities? You want to talk about integrity. Where's the integrity there? So, it just, it never made sense from the get-go. It should have never even got to the point where there should have been an investigation. There should have been a memo to the league saying, we think you're doing something, or, excuse me, a memo to the team, and then a memo to the rest of the league saying, we think there are players and teams that are doing things to footballs. We just want to remind you of the rule. Here's the level of PSIs the footballs are at, or supposed to be at. We're also going to send this memo to our officials to remind them that they must check the PSI levels and make sure they're within that 11 and a half, what is it, 11 and a half to, to I, I, don't even, I don't even give a shit anymore. It's air pressure in football, and um, yeah, it, it's just, you know how I feel about the flake gate. We've been talking about it for so long. I think Goodell's a buffoon. I, I don't think it ever should have got to this point, but since it is, Brady has accepted it. I'm surprised he's accepting it. But at the same time, now we hear today, he is still, while accepting, authorizing the NFLPA to proceed with the deflategate appeal, which makes you think, all right, publicly he's not involved. But behind the scenes, there's still maybe some type of fight that's going to go down to see what they can do. And um, now we just have to wait and see what can be done. But (laughs) I guess the one good thing that comes out of this is that we're at least getting closer to Deflategate being over. We know that. And I think what we know is that we won't be talking about Deflategate for the rest of our lives. Or at least for the rest of mine. Right? That's a great thing. That's a great piece of news there. So, that's where we stand. Brady's going to serve the four-game suspension. And uh, they're going to roll with Garoppolo. We'll see what he can can give you. I mean, if you're asking me right now what I think the Patriots Patriots can do with him against Arizona, Miami, Houston, and Buffalo, I say you can go 2-2. Two two. I say you can go 2-2. Two two. I think the Patriots could will probably be underdogs in Arizona. They might be a very small underdog in week three at home against Houston. I don't know. Would they be? Is that a Thursday night game? Yeah, Thursday night. Short week at home. Texans, defense, I maybe, maybe not. I only looked at the spread for week one against Arizona. Patriots a five-and-a-half-point dog. Um, what I know is that the Patriots season will not end in the first four games. And if it will not end in the first four games and Tom Brady returns in week five, 
I think the motivation is going to be through the roof. It's going to be the type of motivation that we have never seen before out of any team and especially out of any human being in Tom Brady. And uh, the Patriots are going to smash some teams. At Cleveland, week five, week six, at home against Cincinnati, at Pittsburgh, at Buffalo, bye week in week nine, Seattle, San Fran, the Jets, the Rams, the Ravens, the Broncos, the Jets, the Dolphins. Uh, look, I, I the Patriots, if... If they can go 2-2, two and two, I think that's a win for them without Tom Brady in the first four. Uh, even if they go 1-3, and three, I'm not going to tell you the season is over. I won't. I won't do it. I won't do it. With the motivation this Patriots team has, I know you want home field, but the motivation Tom Brady's going to have, Belichick's going to have, the rest of this team's going to have because of this four-game suspension, I think it's going to run right through the end of the season. And even if you're able to get a wild card in the playoffs, um, I don't know if I would ever bet against the Patriots or Tom Brady in any of those playoff games. I just, I just don't think I will. So, uh, the Patriots, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to deal with your, your star quarterback being suspended four games for something that the NFL couldn't even prove to be true. But at the same time, part of me is just glad that we can get some closure on it, or at least come closer to getting closure and move on to the season. And it's almost like, just get me to week five. That's how, that's almost how I feel. That's October 9th. It's only July 18th. So we got a long time until then. And uh, because we have a long time until then, I'm not going to spend every single day, minute, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this with the flake eight every day. I won't. I promise. Because as I mentioned, baseball is important to me, especially this time of year. And when we look at the Red Sox, they're a team right now that's in a playoff race. And when you look at what they did last week while I was on vacation, look, they made several trades. They, oh, I think a week and a half ago, they, they picked up some utility help. And then last week, they had a reliever, Diamondbacks closer Brad Ziegler. Sort of a submarine pitcher, doesn't throw hot at all, but he's very deceiving. We'll see what he can do for this Red Sox team. They had the all-star break. Uh, They returned to action on Friday night in the Bronx. But before they returned to action, they made another trade. They acquired lefty starter Drew Pomeranz from the San Diego Padres in exchange for prospect pitcher and one of the top prospects, Anderson Espinosa. One-for-one trade. And some people have questioned this move because Espinosa is such a highly touted prospect in the organization, and I think even in baseball, right? You know my philosophy with prospect pitching. I will trade it, not even pitching, prospects in general, even top prospects. I'll trade it for the short thing, major league talent, any day of the week. The problem I have with the Espinosa Pomeranz trade is that I think the sample size of Pomeran's success as a starting pitcher, which is really just this year and somewhat of a breakout season, he was an all-star with San Diego. He's got an ERA under three, right? He has pitched what, a career high in innings so far with 102. He's 27 years old. I just think the sample size is too small for me to tell you he's the short thing which means I question what you gave up to get him. I really do. Now, I don't know 
what all the asking prices have been for any of these other pitches. What I do know is Pomeranz, to me, is not the short thing. I hope he becomes the short thing at some point where you look at him and say, all right, we know what he's going to give you. He is a top-of-the-rotation guy. I just don't know if he is. If he was, I would tell you this Espinosa for Pomeranz deal is an absolute steal for the Red Sox. But I can't say that because I think I need to see more of Pomeranz's success as a starting pitcher to really tell you that, you know, I feel great about this trade. Um, now, am I telling you that if I was Dave Dombrowski, I wouldn't have made it? No, I'm not telling you that. Because what I think I need to see still is the rest of... Yeah, I need to see the next two and a half weeks or two weeks before the trade deadline. And I know the Red Sox are saying they're done dealing. But that might be some type of public negotiation strategy with a team that they're talking to right now. I don't believe them when they say that. If they, if they do mean that they're done, then they got problems. Because I still think they should be going out trying to make that blockbuster deal for a stud starting pitcher. I believe that should be the case. Now, if you tell me that one of those stud starting pitches that we've talked about many times, a sale, a Fernandez, I still throw Sonny Gray into that conversation even though he's having a tough year. If you tell me that the Red Sox cannot end up getting one of those guys because those teams were asking for someone or looking for a prospect like an Espinosa and the Red Sox no longer have that guy to give up, then I'm going to tell you that the Pomeranz trade was no good. I'm, I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, though. But let's wait and see. Right? I hope that's not the case. I think Pomeranz is a pitcher that the Red Sox are obviously gambling on. They're going to gamble that, all right, he's under their control for a couple of years. He's someone that seems to be figuring it out. He's got somewhat of a deceiving, what, wind-up and delivery? And he's a big kid. He's a big boy. And they think that he's going to have success in the AL East or just in a Red Sox uniform in general. And let's face it, they needed a starting pitcher to throw in this rotation, someone who was not named Clay Buckholz or Joe Kelly. And they were basically willing to get that kid any way possible. And if you're going to get a kid any way possible, well, you might as well go out and get someone who's pitching in the All-Star game, right? I, I, I guess that's the reasoning to it especially if the asking prices for all these other guys is way too high. Now, again, I I, I don't think the Red Sox should be sitting there kicking their feet up going, we're done dealing. We're done. You know, people ask me, do you like the Pomeranz trade? And I say, I I think we need to wait and see. And I know that people say, oh, you're taking the easy way out. You're not taking a stance, this, that, or the other thing. I take a lot of stances, all right? So let's... Let's not act like I sit here on the fence every fucking day. I don't. I don't sit here on the fence. I never sit on the fence. And I don't even think I'm sitting on the fence on this one. But I think just the unknown that is Drew Pomeranz, and not only the unknown in his career, but also the unknown of, I don't know if he can do this in Boston. He's pitched in San Diego. He's pitched in Oakland. He's pitched in Colorado. This is a different place. And I don't know what he's going to be. So... It's tough to evaluate this trade right now because Espinosa was such a high prospect. And Pomeranz is having a great season, but the sample size is too small for me to tell you he's the short thing. What I do know is the Red Sox needed starting pitching. And I also know that I'd rather have a GM that would be willing to go above and beyond 
to do whatever he can to add an all-star starting pitcher to his rotation before the trade deadline to a team that he thinks has a chance to win a championship. Pomeranz could be a very big piece to this Red Sox puzzle the rest of the regular season and maybe even beyond. And not, not even just this postseason, but maybe next year and the year after that. And who knows, maybe the year after that. Um, But all I can tell you is I need to wait until after the trade deadline to sort of look and evaluate this. I do. Because if the Red Sox don't make another move, right, and they don't go out and add another starting pitcher, I'm going to be disappointed. And I'm going to look at the Pomeranz thing and tell you that I don't think it gets them over the hump when they get to the postseason. I think the Red Sox are good enough to get to the postseason, but I think they need to really add some type of stud starting pitcher to win in the postseason. Now, maybe they get it from within. Maybe Pomeranz is, you know, maybe he pitches even better with the Red Sox than he has in San Diego this year. Maybe Eduardo Rodriguez pitches like he did the other day at Yankee Stadium and can bounce back from his struggles early in the season, right? And you, we all know he has the power stuff to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. But if those things don't happen, you know, and, and I don't know that you can guarantee any of those things, that's why I want to see Mike Hazen, Dave Dombrowski, go out and try and continue to attempt to make a blockbuster trade. And I'm talking, yes, top multiple top prospects, maybe even a roster player in a package to get that stud starting pitcher. Because what you saw last night, out of David Price on Sunday Night Baseball, I know, one tough inning in the fourth, allowed three runs, the only three runs the Yankees scored. Yankees beat the Red Sox 3-1. to one. It snapped a six-game winning streak. I didn't feel great about that start from David Price because you won the first two games. And you're looking at that going, Sunday Night Baseball, a Yankee team that's under 500, and they're down and out. And I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't think the Yankees have anything left in the tank when it comes to fighting. You know, any type of just inspired baseball left in them. I don't think they have it left in them. So, if you're David Price... You got to go out and dominate last night. And one strikeout, three runs in five and two thirds, allowing 11 hits, that's not dominating. The Red Sox scored only one run. I get it. Pedroia with a home run in the first inning. You're going to get nights like that in which maybe your offense gets slowed down or shut down a little bit. And Tanaka pitched well in six innings. And then. Obviously, you go Batances, Miller, Chapman. Most of the time, you got no shot to win that game if you trail by even one run. Red Sox trailed by two. It was three to one at that point. But I think what you're asking from David Price, I don't think it's crazy last night to when he gets that one run to, you know, sort of get on that mound, bear down, and be the ace that's being paid $30 million a season. And win a one nothing game against the Yankee team that has really given up on the season. Like, I don't think that's that much to ask, to be honest. So, questions in the rotation. We still have them. We still have them. My biggest thing from last night, though, is this quote that I read. And somebody tweeted it to me. I didn't even know he said it. 
David Price. Um, it's just kind of a shady quote that that I hope that I hope I'm um I hope has been taken out of context. I didn't hear him say it. I'm reading it. I hope it's taken out of context. I hope I'm taken out of context because I don't like reading this quote from David Price, a guy who's supposed to be a race, a guy who I think should have went into the Bronx last night and gave you seven shutout innings. I don't think that's that crazy to ask against that Yankee team. He didn't. He let up three runs in the, what, fourth inning, and that was it. That's all, that, that's all the Yankees would need, but it's three too many. Here's a quote from David Price last night. After the game, he said, quote, I wish we lost the first one, won the middle game, and won the last one. We won six in a row, I just heard. To be the guy that goes out there and doesn't help us win that seventh, that's tough, end quote. Let me read that again. David Price, after the game last night, said, quote, I wish we lost the first one, won the middle game, and won the last one. We won six in a row, I just heard. To be the guy that goes out there and doesn't help us win that seventh, that's tough. End quote. Now, it was an execution problem for David Price last night at times. Pitches just right out over the plate. Uh, that cut fastball that cannot get down on the inside of the hands. To, you know, It's got to get down to the shoelaces to right-handed hitters. And when it doesn't, it can be somewhat flat. And also, just his regular fastball, the velocity was there, but you know, you can't throw it over the heart of the plate when someone's looking for it, like Ellsbury was as he drove in a run in that fourth. But with the execution issues, you look at the series as a whole, you look at this Red Sox team as a whole, you look at this playoff race currently as a whole, David Price, after pitching like that last night in that game for a chance to sweep the Yankees, come out of the break with a clean sweep, win seven in a row, for him to say he wishes they lost the first game of the series? I, like, I don't even know what that means. Like, why would you say that? I get it, you, you're trying to relay to us your emotions that you don't like letting the team down like that, but don't tell us that you wish the team lost the first game. I mean, I hope I'm just reading way too much into this, but that's not a quote you want to read from your race, okay? Like, there have been so many quotes from David Price this year that if I didn't tell you who said it and I read the quote, you would answer the and I asked you who said this, you would answer that by telling me Clay Buckholtz said it. Like, there have been way too many quotes from David Price that have already been said by Clay Buckholtz. I, I don't like that. That's not a mindset, a mentality. I just, enough, okay? Go out and be the guy that is going to earn his $30 million this season. And if you don't, don't come, af- don't come out after the game and tell me you wish you lost the first one instead of the third. Just say you wish you didn't lose this one. Don't, go, don't be going back to any other games comparing yourself. This is just you. Nothing else matters but you on that mound and your performance on that mound in that one game. Telling us you wish you lost the, f- the first game of the series? What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. Now, all of that said, I have also told you that I wish David Price was going to pitch the first game of the series on normal rest. I don't think there's a problem with that. So, 
David Price should have been pitching on normal rest Friday. Since he didn't, still, you should be able to step on that mound and have a better performance than you did last night on Sunday Night Baseball against the Yankees. He didn't. And, um, you know, it's not the end of the world because the Red Sox are still in a battle. Okay? They're still, the, the Orioles lost yesterday. Blue Jays won, but the Orioles lost. And you're two games behind Baltimore. Uh, if the playoffs began today, you're making the playoffs. You're in the wild card game against Toronto. But I think to win a playoff series, I think you need some type of stud starting pitcher. And some people have told me, well, now that Eduardo Rodriguez has seemed, you know, he had a good start the other day, and you added Pomeranz, here's a rotation. Price, Wright, Porcello, Pomeranz, Rodriguez. You say, well, where are you going to put another pitcher? And I say, well, you make room for someone. If you go out and get a stud pitcher, that's a good problem to have because then you have too much pitching. And you, you can actually never have too much pitching, but technically you would. You'd move someone out, okay? Somebody, you'd make room for someone. And you might even do it via trade. Like, I said this yesterday on EEI, and I'm going to continue to believe this strategy. We've seen Dave Dombrowski trade prospects for the short thing. And we've also seen him trade major league talent for prospects. I mean, are we ruling out that he trades someone from this current rotation in order to get a couple prospects that could possibly be part of another package that gets him that other stud pitcher? Like, are we ruling that strategy out in the next two weeks? I'm not. In fact, I think that's a strategy they should take. Like, I know that Stephen Wright's an all-star, but let's be honest. If you were going to look at Stephen Wright's trade value, is it not as high as it could ever be right now? Honestly, for a knuckleballer, right? Is it? Is it not as high as it could ever be? I mean, if I'm the Red Sox, and I could get a couple prospects for Stephen Wright that had pretty good prospects. I'd be making that move in a heartbeat. If it meant I was going to take those prospects, package them with some of my other top prospects, and get that blockbuster trade done. Like, I'm making that move. That's how you can make room. And I mentioned Stephen Wright. But I also have in my head Rick Porcello. Okay? Like, Porcello. Will his trade value ever be as high as it is right now? I don't think so. Porcello is pitching as confident as he has ever looked in his entire career. Dombrowski isn't the one that gave him this big contract. That was Ben Sherrington. Now, I'm not saying that that Dombrowski doesn't like Porcello. I'm not saying that at all. What I am telling you is, if you're Dave Dombrowski and you're evaluating trade value on your current team, I mean, what is stopping you from moving Porcello for a couple of prospects and maybe selling him high, taking those prospects and packaging them with a couple of your other top prospects and getting that stud starting pitcher? I mean, that's the route that I hope the Red Sox are thinking about going. And, and I'm not necessarily shopping Porcello, shipping him out of town, or shopping right and shipping him out of town, but, you know, you can't fall in love with the success of Wright and Porcello right now. I don't think you can do it, especially if you're thinking bigger and better. And what I want is for the Red Sox to start thinking bigger and better between now and the August 1st trade deadline. That's what I want. 
That's what I want. That's all I'm asking. The Pomeranz trade, I just hope that is not the end of the Red Sox attempt to get starting pitching at the trade deadline. That's it. And I will do, and I hope they will do whatever it takes. I know I say I will do. Sometimes I put my imaginary GM cap on to the point where I actually convince myself that I'm the GM. Hey, what does George Costanza say? It's not a lie if you believe it. Well, I'm not the GM. And Dave Dombrowski is the president of baseball operations. Mike Hazen is the GM. I just hope that between now and the trade deadline, they are still out there making every attempt possible, doing whatever, being willing to do whatever it takes to get some type of stud starting pitcher because I think this offense is so good right now, even though they didn't show it last night, I think it's so good right now this season that you added David Price this offseason. Don't stop now. Don't let Pomeranz be the trade that stops you from adding another pitcher. Even if he comes out Wednesday night in his debut against the Giants, Red Sox debut against the Giants, and dazzles. Don't let that be the end of the attempts to acquire a starting pitcher. That's all. So, Red Sox off tonight, which means I'm on WEI. I'm just on, I'm not on 10 to midnight. I'm on 6 to 10 tonight. How about that? You can get me from 6 to 10 on WEI 93.7 FM tonight. So join me then. I will be taking your calls, Red Sox, Deflategate, whatever else it is, you know, you want to rant about. Since I've been gone, there have been all these other rumors and news, Celtics trade rumors. Yeah, you got Blake Griffin rumors. You got Russell Westbrook rumors. Jaleel Okafor rumors. The Westbrook thing to me, not happening. Like, I read a story today. It's like, report. Celtics not going to trade for Westbrook because Westbrook won't sign an extension. No shit. Like, honestly, do we really think Westbrook's going to sign an extension? Like, it's not going to happen. Wait and see what the salary cap is. Test the free agent market. Go wherever you want. Come on. Westbrook seems like the guy who's going to want to control his own destiny, and he's going to do it in free agency. You're not gonna you're not gonna trade for Westbrook. Blake Griffin, I'm all set. I've told you that many times. Um Jaleel Okafor, I take him. 20 years old. People might call him a project. I don't know. I don't think he's as much a project as people think. I'll take him. But we'll let the Celtics trade rumors sort of spiral out of control until I actually see something happen. Uh, I hope they try, like the Red Sox. I hope the Celtics try. But we'll see. And just sort of wrapping it up here, I got to go to WEI, so I got to sort of wrap this thing up. Um, A couple tough weeks for the UFC. Bones Jones, we saw him test positive. He was yanked from UFC 200. Brock Lesnar, who won his fight at UFC 200, he was informed last week that he tested positive after winning the fight. So... That's not a good look. And now today, Bones Jones, news is coming out on what he tested positive for, two illegal substances. These guys will deny, 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 and they're full of shit. All right? They know what they did. They know what they took. They try to beat the system. They probably thought they had a pretty good masking agent, and they got caught. And I don't, I mean, I don't crucify them for it because I think the guys that they're fighting are probably on something too. It's just maybe they had a little better way to, to beat the system. That's all. These guys are monsters, all right? They're animals, and they're machines. 
And when they act like machines, and they act like and perform like they're not human, and look like they're not human, what the fuck do you think they're doing to look and act like that? You think they're taking pro? You think they're drinking protein shakes like me and you? You think they're mixing in, you know, a couple extra uh, banana strawberry smoothies after their workouts? Like, what the fuck do you think these guys are doing? Come on. But I don't crucify them for it because I just sort of buy in that it's part of the, it, 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 it's part of what they do. I don't think they're injecting steroids into their ass, but they're certainly taking something that's going to help them get above and beyond and, and get some type of competitive edge. It's just the way it's always going to be. And some guys are going to get caught and some guys won't. Lesnar got caught. Bones Jones got caught. I say it's a tough couple weeks for UFC. But at the end of the day, I guess I don't know that if I'm Dana White, I don't know that I sit back and, and get all depressed over it. Because it is all about publicity. And I think the more you look up and see UFC on ESPN in the news cycle, even if it's for something negative, you know what they say, negative publicity is also good publicity. Right now, it's negative for the UFC. Um, I think this just means that maybe Lesnar will come back and try to fight again and prove that he can do it clean. Bones Jones is obviously going to come back. And uh, at the end of the day, that'll be good for UFC. Good for business. It's good for business when they're talking about your sport. It is. It is. I can tell you that. So at the end of the day, I don't think UFC can be too upset with it. Tomorrow, I will be joined by Phil Perry. Joins me in studio. He covers the New England Patriots for Comcast Sportsnet New England. And training camp is right around the corner. The Deflategate stuff, we'll talk about that. We'll get into Garoppolo. We'll look at the schedule. We'll do some football tomorrow. Uh, The rest of the week, we'll stick to baseball. But I told you, I usually don't do football this time of year. But since Deflategate has been such a big story, and it's in the news again, and Brady's going to accept the suspension, we got to talk about it. So, um, you know, one day... We'll come in here, and we'll say Deflategate is done for good. It might not be till week five of next season, but at least we know we're getting closer to that date to be able to say that. Uh, but since this is still fresh, or at least fresh for me, since I had last week vacation, I want to get to it. Phil Perry joins me in studio tomorrow. You can get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Wherever podcasts are available, I'm on WEI tonight, 6 to 10 p.m. Uh, I'm sure it'll be archived and available on their website, WEI.com. So make sure you join me, call in, and uh, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tonight on EI and tomorrow right here on the Danny Picard Show. See you.